Good morning. You never let go, never let go, never let go. You bring me in close, bring me in close, bring me in close. You never let go, never let go, never let go. Man, it's always so confusing. God is just God is just so confusing sometimes. Like, right? It's like he's just so he just doesn't make sense. Like, even in like even when we are in our darkest point where we feel so disgusting and we're like, how could we think or say or do something like that? God is like, I want to bring you close to me. Isn't that so, like, confusing to your mind? That's so, like, parallel to, to who we are. Because anytime we mess up, we want to get away from God, right? When Adam, and that's from Adam. I blame Adam. He messed up, and the first two things he did was he hid, and then he blamed someone else. And yet God is like, no, dude, I want you close to me. I know you messed up. I don't want you to hide it from me. Come close to me. I draw close to you. Oh, he never lets go. He never lets go. Thank you, God, for never letting go. Thank you for your goodness. Because I know the mess that I am. I know the mess that I am. And he's just like, come on. I know. You're silly. You do stupid stuff. But I draw near to the brokenhearted. I am good. He's a good father. He's like, I'm good. That's who I am. I don't, he doesn't know how to be a bad dad. Last week, we celebrated four years of God's faithfulness. Woo, yeah, that's right. Yeah, thank you. Thank God. We celebrated four years of God's faithfulness, and if you couldn't make the party, that's okay, because we're still here, so you're participating in the vision. Woo, look at that. Right? Some of y'all are like, ah, oh, I missed the party, but you're here this week, and so the vision is still good, and it's, the oil's still pouring out. Not literally, but, you know, the oil's still down. I have some friends where, like, when they, when you, when they say something biblical that's good, like, I have some friends who be like, ooh, ooh, Jeremy, that's oily. And I'm like, okay, I like that. I like that. Ooh, he's like, ooh, that's oily. And so, like, I've, I'm trying to say it, but I feel so, like, old to say it. But anyways... You're part of the vision. You being here is a part of the vision. And I want you to know, in the world that we live in, that those doors will never close to anyone who feels like they don't deserve to be here. The doors will always remain open. But if you knew my past, the doors are open. If you knew my lifestyle, the doors are open. But I don't, those doors will always be open. Why? Because God is always open. He's always like, yeah, come on. So I don't care what you've done in your life. I don't care what your backstory is. I don't care what your story currently is. I know Jesus is enough. And I know he looked at someone like me and was like, hey, you're worth saving. So I want to let you know, for whomever's in here who feels like, I don't think I'm worth saving, oh, you are. He would do it all over again if he had to. But thank God the blood doesn't run dry. And that's, I know to some people, like, that's weird. What are you talking about the blood doesn't run? We're talking about the blood of Jesus, okay? I know that's a weird statement for some. That's a very churchy term. 
And so when we talk about the blood of Jesus, it's talking about how his sacrifice makes me clean. The hero dying for the villain. Before we get into the word, I just want to pray. Lord God, I just thank you for this time. I thank you that your spirit is here right now. Fill us up until we overflow. Lord God, let every word that is spoken from this stage be for your glory and your glory alone. I rebuke the devourer. I rebuke anything that comes in to be a distraction that would take away from all that you're doing in our church, in our people. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. 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 We're, we're finishing our series, Put It Out to Sea, um, this week. And so I wanted to end on... On a, very, on a pretty common story read in the Bible, but I, feel, I realize that there are times in our life, in order to get to the other side of it, that we have to do something that is typically perceived as dangerous. And that is summed up in a four-letter word called risk, right? Everyone know that word risk? Everyone ever play the game risk? All right, all right, by myself. Okay, amen, hallelujah. Listen, if this is your first time here, it's okay if you talk to me. I, don't worry about your neighbor being quiet. <laughs> don't worry about them. It's okay if we talk. It's risk. It's a risk. There are moments in life where we take risks. My friend Sean's here. He's an insurance agent, so he'll be like, bro, I can tell you all about risk. Talk to me afterwards, right? And so um, risk, we take risks in life. And the definition of risk is the exposure to the chance of injury or loss. There are many types of risks in life. You coming here today was a risk, right? Because you had to get in your car. Some of you guys had to walk. You don't know who you could have met. There are financial risks, right? It's just like, hey, I, I feel, you know, led to do this business or, or, or I feel like investing into this. There are relational risks. Can I get an amen? Where you're like, I kind of like you and I hope you like me too because this is a risk. Everyone feel that? In your marriage, there's a risk. Like, I hope I didn't leave the toilet seat up, but you know what? I'm going to chance it today. There are all kinds of risks in life. Every, we, we live a life of risks. There's competitive risks. There's all kinds of risks. And in those moments, we believe that the risk is worth the outcome, right? Anyone risk and have children? I did. <laughs> right? Right? That was the risk. It's a risk. It's literally seeing your heart on the outside of your body. It's a risk. It's a risk to have children. It's a risk to move to Memphis, right? How many people be like, oh yeah, I'm moving to Memphis. Why? <laughs> you know, that's a capital risk, you know? Some of us eat McDonald's, that's a risk. <laughs> it's a risk, why would you eat that? Because it's a dollar for a burger, that's why. If you've seen my account, this is a big risk, but it's worth it. I'd rather go to bed with McDonald's in my belly than hungry. So it's a risk. Everything has risks in life. And then there are other, so those are, those are, are, are worldly risks, risks that we have every single day. And then there are spiritual risks. There are spiritual risks. And you're like, what are you talking about? I want to tell you today that if you have said yes to Jesus, if you decided to say yes to the Holy Spirit, your life is in the constant presence, in the constant presence of risk. As soon as you said yes to Jesus, risk became a constant thing in your life. It's not there to scare you. 
It's there to develop your faith. The moment you said, Jesus, I want all that you have for me, take away my old life, the whole thing of salvation and the gospel is a risk. It's a scandalous risk. You're telling me that this man is going to die for my sins and take on all of my evil in front of God as God, and he's going to give me grace and peace? That's a risk. But yet he does it, he did it, and his spirit pulls out on us. So listen, when you walk by the spirit, there will always be risk. You can't avoid it. You can't avoid risk when you're walking with Jesus. It's something, some of us would rather be like, well, I don't like living a life of risk. I hate it. Who here hates risks? Some of us just want to be like, all right, God, I like, I just want to go to church every Sunday. And then, you know, I want to have kids and I want to get married and I want to have a dog, you know, and I want to have insurance to make sure everything's squared away. And then when I get old enough, like I want to die in my sleep. <laughs> That's what I want, God. Risk-free. Risk-free. Is that, is that hard? Is that a long order? And God is just sitting up there. He goes, you're so silly. You're so silly. No, God, I'm serious. I know. Whenever you're following Jesus, risk is a part of it. Why? Because we believe that the risk in the Holy Spirit is, will never, ever turn into a loss. It'll never turn into a loss. It'll always be for your benefit. It'll always be for his glory. There are, now, I understand, and there's sometimes when you're like, well, God, I don't know. I just feel like if I pray for this or if I open myself to this or if I say yes to you, you're going you're gonna to do things that will hurt me. And no, he never does anything that hurts you. When you're walking, every, you guys got to understand that this church is a risk. And I'm not talking about the building, I'm talking about the people. Why? Because we are telling the world that we know that there's a risk saying yes to Jesus, but the kingdom is not going to expand unless we say yes to Jesus. It won't move forward unless we say yes to Jesus. There is risks in everything that you do. You decide to cook, it's a risk. You decide to drive a car, it's a risk. So why don't we as believers decide to put all of our risk on the Holy Spirit and say, you know what? I'm willing. And I'm ready. Am I scared? Absolutely. But as long as I'm walking with the Spirit, He will never let me down. I will never fail because He is always with me. His righteous right hand upholds me. I am never scared. Though it may be weary, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because your rod and your staff protect me. So question is, are we, is it really a risk? If we got a protector on our side, are we really taking that big of a risk if he's walking with us? So this takes us into Mark 4. Um, we're, and we're going to, in Mark 4, Jesus is talking about parables and things like that. He starts talking to the people. But then we see this thing that you guys have heard many, many times before and you've heard preach many times before. I'm going to tell you right now, if you're in the room and you've been to church X amount of years and you're like, oh, I've heard this before. No, you haven't. Because the Holy Spirit's always doing something new. And I haven't preached it yet, so you could chill. You haven't heard it yet. Turn to your neighbor and say, you haven't heard this yet. Don't check out, check in, family. All right? In Mark 4, it says, The day when evening came... 
he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Let us cross over to the other side. And so we see right here in the first sentence, Jesus is telling his disciples, let's, hey, let's go over to the other side on the other side. Jesus is literally inviting his disciples into risk. What? Huh? I know you, you, ain't, you ain't never heard of this before. He's inviting them into risk. What's on the other side? Gentile territory. He's invi- hey, hey, I can see Jesus right there with a smile on his face everything. Hey, y'all, let's go to that side. Everyone's like, uh-huh, what? Mm-mm, mm-mm, not me. Let's go over to the other side. And I feel that the Holy Spirit does the same thing this day if we're listening. He's always inviting us to the other side. Hey, Pastor Jeremy, I want you to go to the other side, downtown. You know it's dangerous out there? I know. Go to that side. What does risk sound like? Hey, let's go over to the other side. When the Holy Spirit leads us to the other side, there's always a risk. What does that sound like in your life? Hey, I'm going to invite you over to this group of Democrats. I want you to share Jesus with them. I'm going to invite you over to this group of Republicans. I want you to share Jesus with them. I want to invite you into this group of people who don't love Jesus. They're actually atheists. I'm going to, let's go to the other side. What would it look like if a bunch of Christians, if we, were got, if we were tired of being like, hey, I'm tired of staying on my side, and Jesus goes, then go to the other side. Go to the other side. That's where I'm going. I always find that Jesus is going to the place of high risk. The, the places where, where, where it can literally kill your reputation. And Jesus goes, I'm going to that side. Because the moment that we only share the gospel with whom we think needs the gospel, we lessen the power of the gospel. Oh, I'm only sharing the gospel with them because I think they need it. No, the gospel's for everybody. Jew, Greek, Gentile, black, white, Hispanic, Jesus is for everybody. And Jesus will always take the risk to go over to the other side. But do you know how that's going to look, Jesus? He's like, I don't care. You think my gospel cares about how people look or is caring about their soul? He's always going to the other side. And as Christians, sometimes we've conditioned ourselves to say, oh, I'm only going to stay on this side of faith because it's safe. Jesus never plays it safe. He literally puts out the invitation. And I believe today that God is putting out an invitation to you saying, hey, are you willing to go to the other side? And the other side is going to be different for everyone. The other side may just be, hey, are you going to go to your dad's side of your family and make amends? Are you going to go to your mom's side of your family and make amends? Are you going to go to the other side of what seemed as a bad breakup and say, I'm not going to let this breakup define me. I'm not going to let this separation divorce define me. I'm still going to give you Jesus. Are you willing to go to the other side to risk your reputation? Because we perceive the other side as dangerous. Oh, the other side is dangerous. It says, leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. 
It says a furious, in my Bible, it says squall, waves, winds, hurricane came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that they nearly swamped. Jesus was in the boat sleeping. <laughs> Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion, and the disciples woke him up and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Imagine, like, all right, let's, let's play this scene out. They get on the boat, it's nighttime, the weather's chill, and then all of a sudden, waves start happening, and the boat starts rocking, and water's splashing up, and everything's going on, and I just think of, like, there's a, if there were alarms, alarms are sounding, someone's ringing the bell, hey, we're about to drown, and everything is going on, and Jesus just over here like this. Sound asleep. To all my heavy sleepers in the room, y'all know what I'm talking about. Sound asleep. Imagine the anxiety. It says that the waves are so rough that it hit the boat and the boat started taking on water. So not only is there big water around us, there's big water under our feet and our ankles. Imagine the anxiety of like, we finna drown, y'all. And Jesus over there asleep. I would have been so angry. Wake up! <laughs> what you doing? You don't feel that water underneath you? It's not supposed to be there. It's supposed to be over there. I'm going to make it sound like today. The, some of us, the storm has punctured a hole in your faith and doubt is filling in your boat right now. I thought we were supposed to get pregnant now. My doubt is filling up. Doubt is entering my boat. I feel the doubt at my ankles. I felt so strong in you when we were on the shore, but now you're calling us to this boat, and this wave is happening, and my boat of faith is filling with doubt. Why does it feel like you're asleep? How come the business didn't work out? How come the relationship didn't work out? How come they let me go unjustly? How come, what's, how come my dad didn't want me? How come my mom didn't want me? How come my family didn't want me? Why do I always feel like the black sheep? This faith I have, my faith is filling up with doubt. Why are you sleeping? Anyone ever feel that? Right? I feel that. Where I just feel like, why? <laughs> Why does it feel like you're sleeping right now? I need an answer. I need to pay this bill. I'm, I'm being overwhelmed financially. Why does it feel like you're sleeping? Why is my child getting sick right now? Why can't they figure out what's happening? I could tell you that was us in 2019 when my daughter was having seizures. It's like, what's going on? Are you asleep? Are you working? You're in the corner asleep, silent. And I'm having all these doubts right now. You know what? I'm getting, my boat is filling, and now it's knee-deep in doubt. And so, Lord, I don't know what to do. Because I want to have faith, but my faith feels so weak, and I'm having all these doubts. Don't you care about my future? Don't you care where I end up? I feel like I'm going to be homeless in like 45 seconds. Like, don't you care that this, this storm is about to take me over? Anyone have those prayers, Right? Don't you care like the storm is happening? Why does it feel like you're asleep? My relationships are sinking. My grades are sinking. My marriage is sinking. My integrity is sinking. My business is sinking. And you appear to be asleep. And then we have that prayer 
that I feel like every one of us prayed, God, are you even listening? I feel like I'm talking to the ceiling right now. Are you listening? And as I was reading this story, I, I found several times in my life where I asked God the same question. Are you, are you even listening? I know you've got the whole world in your hands and you're holding it in your palms, but right now I don't feel like you hear me. And I just want to know that show me something that you're listening because this water's coming in, and I'm trying to get rid of it. Lord, and, and some of us know this, right? Like, I have all these doubts coming in, and they're filling up my boat, and I'm trying to, like, read my Bible more, and I'm praying more, and, and like, I'm trying to do these right things, but I feel like you're still not listening. Why aren't you listening? I'm trying to keep the boat from sinking. Can you just wake up? And I want to encourage you today. And I believe in this story with my entire heart, with my entire heart, because I believe the Holy Spirit spoke this to me, that even though the body of Jesus was asleep, the Spirit was aware of every detail that was going on. It says it that he was asleep. And you guys have to understand, like, I had someone talk to me, like, I was doing a study on this, like, God who created sleep never needed it. So in his physical body, he's like, I'm tired? That's his humanity. That's where he was 100% God, that when his body felt exhausted, he decided to sleep. Some of you guys are not sleeping, and you don't have any rest in your body. Though God created for you to rest, you have zero rest in your body. And yet Jesus, in his humanity, is sleeping. What a time to sleep, though, in the middle of a storm. He's like, oh, I've never felt this before, and so I'm going to go to sleep. But I believe in that moment that the Spirit was active and aware of everything that was going on. There was nothing that caught him by surprise. So I want to encourage you right now, brother, sister, in Christ, it's okay to rest because the Spirit still knows everything that's going on. And the Spirit doesn't grow tired and it doesn't grow weary and it's not set into the limitations of your body. So even while you rest at night, He still works. That even when the storms are circling around and your boat seems to be filling up, go ahead, baby, take a nap. Because your God has conquered the grave. And so he says, because I live, you can face tomorrow. Because I live, your fear is gone. Y'all know that hymn. And yes, I know. Nope, okay. That's old church right there. You have all the people, yes, I know. Some of y'all don't know. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. I want you guys to write this down because this was a deposit into my heart, and I might have to say it twice. We have to understand that safety is not the absence, the absence of risk, but the presence of Jesus. Safety is not the absence of risk, but the presence of Jesus. So that means wherever I go, because you know how people say, oh, that's a bad part of town. No, it's not. I got Jesus with me. I'm not scared. 
Whoa, oh, are you really going to start that business? Yes. That doesn't mean the risk goes away. That doesn't mean the fear goes away. But I know I'm self because I'm in the presence of Jesus. See, some of us think like safety is is our surroundings, what what encompasses us. Safety is what we perceive it to be. But I want to let you know that wherever I am with my family in the world, we will always be safe because we will always be in the presence of Jesus. Always. And he's never asleep. Some of you guys are like, oh, some of you guys are stressed out. You're losing weight. You lost your hair. I'm not stressed right now. I'm just, you know, it's part of life. (laughs) You're losing weight. You lost your hair. You look at your bank account every 45 seconds and think it's magically going to change. You see your bills piling up. Your kids are crazy. Your marriage is going weird. And you're just like, God, I don't, I don't, what's going on? You're not even sleeping. And God is like, will you just rest? Just rest. I can't rest because some of us, we're control freaks, right? We talked about this last week. We're control freaks. And so it's like, I can't rest. I got to do this. And if I start doing this and if I start, and God is like, could you just rest? And rest is not just sleeping, right? We think, oh, if I just go to... Some of y'all have everything you need and still can't rest. You still can't rest. And God is like, just, just rest in me. And what does resting in God look like? It's knowing that the boat is filling with water and being able to say, God, this boat is filling and I have, a, I have some fear in me, but I trust you. You're not going to let me sink. You're not going to let my, my children hurt. You're not going to let my marriage fall because I'm giving it to you. I'm giving it to you, Lord God. You're not going to let my business tank because this is your business. And Lord God, don't let your business be put to shame. Some of, what's interesting in today's world is that every hurricane that comes has a name, right? Hurricane Katrina, Hurricane Ida. Every hurricane has a name. And yet as Christians, we fail to name the hurricanes in our life. I know. You'll get that next week. I know. Put a rain check on that one. We don't, we, we don't name the hurricanes in our life. We want to ignore it and just say, if I could just do this, if I could just do that. And sometimes believers, we just need to look at the hurricane and be like, oh, that's the hurricane of insecurity. <sighs> okay. Because when you know what's coming, you know how to pray against it. Oh, that's the hurricane of doubt. Oh, that's the hurricane of loss. That's a hurricane of rejection. See, once we put a name to it, all we have to do is go, oh, that's a hurricane of doubt. Hey, Jesus, I just want to let you know I feel this hurricane of doubt coming my way, and I'm feeling overwhelmed. No, no, no. Yeah, I know it's doubt. Your spirit revealed it to me. So can you get them? (laughs) Once we start naming it, we know how to pray against it. We know how to plan against it. We know how to talk to friends and dearly loved ones and say, hey, whenever you see me acting like this, could you keep me in check? Could you, could you hold me accountable? But some of us don't want to name it because we don't want to be held accountable to it. Mm, I hate that. Right? We don't want to name it because once we put a name to it, we have to, be, we have to let them hold me accountable to it. 
I have some friends who'd be like, yeah, I thought, hey, I thought you wasn't going to worry about that anymore, but you're talking about her again. Man, shut up. <laughs> right? Don't we want to do that? Doesn't accountability feel like attack when we're not ready and it's just accountability? We don't want people to hold us accountable because it's like, I want to be angry about it for the next couple days and then I might let you hold me accountable. And yet if we say, hey, hold me accountable, I have a friend who did that one time. I was like, all right, I'm done. I'm done. I'm not going to talk about it no more. The next day, I was like, can you believe? I thought you wasn't going to talk about it no more. You got to put a name to it. You got to put a name to it. Let's continue. It says a furious, in verse 38, Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said, teacher, don't you care if we drown? Don't you care if we drown? I really do believe, though, if, like, if Jesus wanted to, he could have let the whole boat be destroyed, and yet none of them still wouldn't have died. I just believe that. They asked him, don't you care if we drown? He's like, even if this whole boat was wiped away, you're not going to be lost because I'm here. You are in my presence. You're in the presence of the most high God. This is who I am. He got up and he rebuked the wind and he said to the waves, quiet, peace, be still. And the winds died down and it was completely calm. I believe, I really believe that when he said this, like, he said it to the storm. I believe like all of them were standing in front of him, just if you can imagine it, that Jesus is sleeping in the stern, which is the back of the boat, and then he wakes up and he sees all of them looking at him with a panicked face like, and he's just like, peace be still. And I just believe in this moment, he wasn't only looking at the winds of the waves, but he was looking directly at them too. You see, you got to understand that there are times when Jesus shows up into our situations and he says, peace, be still. And he's talking to the storm that's happening around us. And sometimes when he shows up into our situation, he's going to look at us directly in the eye and say, peace, be still. Because what's worse than the storms and hurricanes that are raging around us is the storms and hurricanes that are raging within us. And so he looks at both of them at the same time because I believe that's what happened in that moment. He's, is he's looking at what's going on in them, the rage, the doubt, the anxiety, the fear, and then the, the things that are going on around him. And he looks at both of them and he goes, peace be still. He's looking at you and he's saying, peace be still. I, I just, I know that there are the storms that happen within us that rage a lot longer than the storms that are happening around us. Because in this moment, naturally, the disciples, when all this is going on, they go into fight or flight mode, right? They go into fight or flight mode like we're going down. And this is the natural human makeup. So everyone goes with this. You go through fight or flight mode. And I believe that Jesus has already spoken to the storm in your life that is raging around you. And you are still operating in a fight or flight mode. You're still operating in this place of like, I have a little. I got to do this. I got to do that. And yet Jesus is waking up every single morning and he's going, if you would just be still and know that I am God. Peace be still. 
And you're like, God, I know you say peace be still to my storm. He's like, I'm not saying it to the storm. I already took care of that. I am talking to you. I'm talking to you. But God, I was hurt, and so we operate from this place of hurt. Or God, I was let down, so we operate from this place of let down. And we're always in this constant fight or flight. And we're always like, that's why some of us, we have just these tough personalities because the peace hasn't yet sit and still in us. So we treat everyone with contempt. We treat everyone like they're going to hurt us. We keep them at arm's distance because I don't want you to get too close. I remember when I let a friend get too close, it kind of hurt me. I remember when I, when, I went, when I took a risk and I got in that relationship, it hurt me. I remember when I took a risk and I got in this business partnership and it hurt me. And so we operate from this fight or flight mode and God is just saying, can you, can you just be still? Can you just let my peace overwhelm you? Because I want to heal that which is broken within you. If you are just still and just st- chill in my presence, you don't have to operate from a fight or flight mode all the time. You can just literally operate in my spirit and everything that my hand provides isn't going to hurt you because I have so much more for you if you just let my peace overwhelm you. Why do you think he's called the prince of... He was just telling everything else to chill out. Hey, chill. He's the prince of of peace, the peace that you carry. What does he say? He says, my peace I give to you. I give you my peace. It's not something you got to work for. It's not something you got to barter for. You don't got to pay taxes on it. He's like, it's my peace that I'm giving to you. There's some, listen, I've seen some people in my life, they got such a crazy amount of peace that when the world felt like it was burning down around them, they were literally that meme that's just like, it's all good. You ever see the person at your workplace who is so full of the spirit or your mom, dad, uncle, grandmother, whoever in your life, that when everything is going down, they got just a, this crazy piece about them. They're like, it's all right. My God's got it. And there are times where we have to say, God, I want your peace. Right? Because sometimes we have the storm of resentment in us. Anyone get the storm of resentment? I have. Anyone ever get the storm of bitterness? I have. Anyone get the storm of jealousy? Yeah, I've been there too. Sometimes we have this massive hurricane of hate going on within us. And you're like, it's not hate. Yes, it is. You don't even like the way they sit down or drink water. (laughs) Look at the way they drink water. Shut up, you know? They make a joke, everyone's laughing, but you, it wasn't that funny. (laughs) You got to let God speak to the storm around you and let him speak directly to you and tell you to be still. There are many times in our life where we go into fight or flight mode, and that's a natural human reaction, either with our kids or with our personal life or with our family. We go into this fight or flight mode, and that's good, but you have to understand times when to change gears and say, you know what, I I went into this fight or flight mode, and and maybe it didn't work out, so God, I'm just going to rest on you. What would it look like if a lot of Christians, instead of going to this fight or flight mode, just begin to operate in peace? If that was our first primary reaction, do you want to know how I know a lot of people are in fight or flight mode? Bring up the single word of vaccine and see how people respond. Bring up COVID-19, see how people respond. 
They go into this fight or flight mentality. No, I'm not taking this. Or yes, you got to take it. No, 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 no. And we get so angry and you see it all over Facebook. And yet God is looking at the church. He's going, peace, be still. I got this. Chill out. I got this. Why are you so worried? You are held in my hands. I have literally tattooed your name in my hand. Leave the fight or flight mode. What, and I'm not, yeah, some of y'all gonna walk away. I'm not talking about to get it or not get the vaccine or whatever. I'm just saying that your peace needs to be wrapped up in Jesus. So whatever decision you make, you can say, it is well with my soul. It is well. I ain't worried about nothing. See, that's where, that's why, that's how I know people are so, like, triggered, so triggered. You bring up those, you, you bring up those two topics, and people are like, <laughs> how dare you, ah! and there are people, like, listen, there, I've gotten to the point when everyone brings it up, I just sit there, and I'm like, so, vaccine or not, no doctors know my future. COVID or not, I know who I belong to. Whatever comes our way, I'm on the solid rock I stand. Whatever decision people decide to make, that's okay. Y'all expect, y'all really expect the government to make the world a better place. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes people be so silly. They want to blame one person for the problems of the entire world, as if sin doesn't exist. My peace doesn't lie in anyone who's in office. That's not where my peace lies. My peace is in the prince of it, who owns it, who creates it, who distributes it, who gives it. And yes, some of y'all watch CNN or Fox News and you're like, how do I need to respond? You don't need to watch out on how you need to respond. Read this. This is all you need to know on how you need to respond. That's it. Set yourself free. Set yourself free. I'm trying, I wish I could take this piece out of me and just put it on your head and make it oily. Let, let it drip down your face. Because some of you got, like, some of us just watch TV and our emotions switch from one side to the other depending on how the thing goes. Have y'all never read the book of Revelation? It's not supposed to be get easier for us Christians, okay? It's not supposed to be a cakewalk into heaven like, ooh, that was easy. There will be trying times, and the world is in chaos and triggered by everything. So in a world that's triggered by everything, why don't we become the place of peace? Why don't we become the ones where chaos is looming all around us and no one can agree on anything? Just be the ones like, man, I've noticed, like, you don't get, like, nothing works you up. Nah, man. Mm -mm. And I'm not saying being apathetic. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about looking, putting everything on the scale of eternity. Vaccines won't last forever. COVID won't last forever. At some point, Jesus is like, I'm coming back. And all that stuff that you're worried about won't matter. So why don't you just relax in my peace? He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole world.
Mm-mm-mm. He's got the mommies and the daddies <laughs> in his hands. He's got the government on his back. He's got COVID-19 in a trap. He's got the whole world in his hands. <laughs> Listen, y'all got to learn how to laugh, all right? Y'all got to learn how to laugh. I see some stuff in the news, and I just start laughing at it like, y'all so silly. Y'all so silly. Y'all really think these people can determine my outcome? Ain't the spirit in us, right? Can't we just walk out of our house in peace? For some time, and hey, you want to know what peace is? Learning how to not get involved in conversations that are going to waste your time, okay? Peace is being able to look at a comment section and be like, y'all can fight about that. I got to tell people about Jesus anyways. Because you want to know what's worse than the COVID pandemic is the sin pandemic. One will affect your body temporarily. The other one will affect your soul eternally. Put it on the weight of eternity, y'all. Put things on the weight of eternity. Change your mind. Change your paradigm. Listen, I don't care what you believe in your political system. I want to tell you about Jesus because, yes, COVID will touch your body, but Jesus can save your soul from the inside of you. Yes, our, and you can even tell people our bodies are wasting away anyways. They're wasting away. But the spirit that is within me will renew me day by day. And Jesus wakes up. He said to the disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Why are you so afraid? And that's a question I want to ask us today. It's funny how Jesus has questions and the disciples have answers sometimes. Jesus is asking the church the same question. Why are you so afraid? Why are you so afraid to love someone who's different than you? Why are you so afraid to love someone who has a different lifestyle than you? Oh, they believe this. They do this. They believe in this sexual thing. Why are you afraid of that? Doesn't love drown out fear? Why are you afraid? Where is your faith? And I hate that question. I hate it. I hate that Jesus asked that question. Because there are times in my life where he goes, where's your faith? Where's your faith? And if Jesus says, if you could have faith as small as a mustard seed and tell this mountain to jump into the river, that means my faith might be a mustard seed or smaller. So he goes, where is your faith? I can't see it. I know you talk about me. But where is your faith? And what I love is says they were terrified and asked each other, who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? You see, I want to let you know that God prepares and builds your faith not sometimes not for the season that you're in, but the season you're about to go in. God will use storms and, and, and potential drowning to build your faith for the next season. Some of you guys, some of us are going through a tough season right now. God, why is this happening? Why is this storm going on? What's going on? Why are you doing? Why are you allowing? Why are you doing it? He goes, I am building your faith. Why? I don't want you to build my faith this way. He's like, you got to see what's coming next. 
Because if I can't build your faith now, you won't make it in the next season. Some of us are so concerned about the beginning and the end and Jesus trying to build your faith in the middle. We want to cancel all the middle. No, no, no. The middle is where it grows. Some of us are repeating the same season over and over and over and over and over and over again because you won't let God build your faith in the middle of that season. You're just focused, oh, when I get to that next place, when I get to this next place. It's like if you don't prepare in the middle, you'll never make it to the next. Or guess what? If you fail in the middle, you're going to be underprepared for the next. Stop. We're looking at the next season. We're how how do I know he's preparing them for the next thing? How do I know? It's right here in the Bible. In chapter 5, it says, it literally starts off, Jesus restores a demon-possessed man. If I could build your faith with a boat, you ain't going to worry about no demons. If I can keep the, the ways from taking your life, the demons can't take your life either. He says it right here. He says, then they went across the lake to the region of... Gerenesis. I hope I said that right. It says, when Jesus got out the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tomb to meet him. This man lives in the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. And he's been chained up from head to toe and he broke all the chains. This demon-possessed guy broke all the chains every time and they put him in the cave and he used to cut himself and he was naked. And you got to understand, as soon as these disciples got off this boat, here comes the demon. In your life, in your life, in your life, you're going through the winds and the waves right now because you got to cast out a demon on the other side when you land. It's your testimony. You're going through winds and waves right now because someone, your son, daughter, brother, sister, cousin, they need to see your faith when you land. They need to see your faith when things are turbulent. They need to see your faith when demons begin to come up in the family circle. They need to see your faith when your children get sick. They need to see your faith. They need to know that you've been through the winds and the waves and you could stand on dry land and say, oh, if you know what God brought me to, this ain't nothing too big for God. If you knew what I just went through, this, <laughs> I'm not going to be shaken. And matter of fact, I know you're all crazy, but I'm going to go to sleep. What? How could you have that peace? If you just saw what I went through, I got peace to sleep right here because God is good and he's already overcome it. He ran up to them. Jesus saw him in the distance and he fell at the knees of Jesus and Jesus tells him, he goes, come out of you, you impure spirit. He casts the demon out. You think the disciples, and it doesn't even mention the disciples in this story because they're probably like, we just watched him calm the winds and the waves by the sound of his voice. So we're not worried about this demon-possessed man. You see, the enemy wants doubt to fill you and overcome you in the middle. Because if he can drown you in this season, he knows you'll never make it to the next He knows if he drowns you right now, if I could overwhelm you right now, if I could have you doubt Jesus right now because, and it's the same old trick. Why? Look in Genesis. What did he cause in Eve? He causes doubt in her. Did he really say? You know what the enemy sounds like now? Do you think you're good enough? Is Jesus really going to come to your rescue? Is he really going to save you? 
And he's like, if I could, and this is the tactic of the enemy, if I could put enough doubt in you, I'll get you to stop worshiping. Some of y'all hadn't even sang a worship song in years because you just, he, comes for, he came for your throat. And you don't know that there's power in your voice. That's why you have a voice. If I can get him to stop worshiping, you know what? Here's the easier one. If I could stop getting him around some of these Christians, if I could stop getting him going to church, if I could stop getting them to stop serving, if I could stop getting them, I'm going to cause doubt in that because they, why, and this is how we tell them, why do you want to go to church? You know, the pastor just wants money anyways. Yeah. <laughs> why you got to go to church? You could have church at home right here with your screen. If I can cause doubt in that area, if I can cause doubt in, in, in their marriage, you think, you think Jesus can fix your marriage? You know what you did? If he can cause doubt in your business, you ain't making no money. You ain't reaching nobody. So the enemy tries to cause doubt. And so you'll never make it to see the miracle and the power of God on the shore. And so I want to encourage you today that every time the enemy comes with doubt, you say, hold up, hold up, hold up. Say less, fam. Because even though this boat looks like it's sinking, you don't know my Jesus walks on water. Okay? Even though it looks like this boat is sinking, you don't know the peace I have. And even if I go under, he is good enough to pull me out of it because that is the nature of Jesus. You don't know that even if this boat capsizes and goes under and I'm under the water, baby, just call it an early baptism because he's going to pull me right out. Ain't nothing overcoming me, baby. Some of y'all got to talk to him. You got, like, there are times when I'm pacing, I'm just talking to myself. Devil, you can't, no, you don't, <laughs> you are under my foot. That's it. That's it. You don't have me. Because when Jesus pulls you out and you go to the other side and you have family members and friends and coworkers coming to you and they're like, I don't know what to do with my marriage and I don't know what to do with my kids. And, you know, our finances are terrible. And, and I, I don't know. And, you know, some of them may even be demon possessed. And mm, I, I find that there's not a lot of people possessed by demons, but possessed by their possessions. So you'll get that later this week, too. But they'll come to you and they're like, I don't know what's going on. It just seems like you can say, hey, hey, I, I'm here for you. Let's go to Jesus. Because I just came out of a crazy season. I didn't see a way out, but somehow he walked on water and we walked on water together and we made it to the shore. So I want to tell you my testimony. That if Jesus can do it for me in the middle, he can do it for me at the end. He could do it for you at the beginning. So come on, let's pray. Let's pray. What does the Bible say in, in Revelation? By the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. No one can doubt the disciples because they were on the boat. No, everyone can doubt whatever you tell them from the Bible, but they can't doubt your testimony. They can't doubt that you were once addicted to a substance and now you've been set free. They can't doubt that your, mar your marriage was on rocky soil, but now you guys have a beautiful marriage. They can't doubt that your business was tanking and now it's thriving. They could doubt whatever they want, but they can't doubt the physical evidence that when Jesus stepped in, everything started to turn around. I don't look and mm, mm, mm. I bet your disciples didn't even look like they were on a boat. They didn't even look wet when they got to dry land. They didn't even look like they'd been through stuff because Jesus was there. See, some of y'all are so concerned. What am I going to look like when I get the shore? My, my hair's going to be all soft. No, you've been with Jesus. Jesus on the inside, 
works on the outside too. You don't look, some of y'all don't even look like what you've been through. And isn't that just a testimony to God himself? I don't look like what I've been through. That's why I'm able to speak power in this situation. Oof. Could you come up and play, Chris? I've been sweating on the inside. I want to close with this. I want to close with this. Church, family, loved ones, brothers and sisters, saints of Jesus Christ. As a community, let's agree to stop pursuing what we perceive as safe. I don't want to pursue anything that I perceive in my paradigm, in my world, as safe. Because the moment I do that, I relinquish the gospel. The moment we pursue things that are safe and things that are, that are, are okay and I feel safe doing, the moment we choose that, we say, gospel, no more. Don't pursue what's perceived as safe. I'm not telling you to pursue what's perceived as dangerous either. I'm telling you to stay in the presence of Jesus Christ. Stay in the presence of Jesus Christ. Because wherever he leads you, wherever he brings you, it could be in the worst part of town. It can be in the perceived worst areas of Memphis or the worst areas of the world or the worst areas of wherever. But wherever Jesus is, you are in the presence of safety. Because what you go through will have the power to set someone free of where they're going. I don't want to choose safety anymore. Pioneers don't choose safe stuff. We don't. That's not, that's not who God... No. Jesus didn't do anything safe. He did nothing safe. Look at his entire life. He hung out with prostitutes, tax collectors. He spoke to Pharisees. He touched lepers. He did nothing perceived safe so that the glory of God may be revealed. He did nothing safe. I bet you some people are like, look at that wild Jesus. Just over there. Even people questioned him. Pharisees questioned him. You're hanging out with them? Why? You're hanging out with the lepers? Why? He says, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You want to be in the kingdom? You want to operate as a, kingdom, as, as a citizen of kingdom? You want, to, we, you want to see the church grow? You want to see people, not even a church, you want to see people come to Jesus? You want to see people just be full of the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues, healings and miracles happening all around you? Do you want to see that stuff manifest in your everyday life? Do something. Walk with Jesus. Walk with him. Talk with him. Go to the unsafe places where he leads you and share the gospel with them and watch. You'll see the kingdom just happen all around you. Don't put your peace in man. Don't put your peace in man. It'll always let you down. 
We have an entire UN and yet no one got no peace going on. And yet we have Jesus who rules all of heaven. He's like, if y'all just ask me for it, I'll give it to you. You want to see peaceful relations happen between countries? Guess what? It's not wrapped up in treaties. It's wrapped up in me. If you guys just don't mind standing with me. Thank you for listening to the Pioneer Church Podcast. Let's go one step further. Subscribe and share this podcast with family and friends and see how this word changes their life. At Pioneer, we believe in journeying together. If you want to support this ministry, go to pioneerchurch.com give to continue to help us to reach people for Jesus. Thank you again for listening and God bless you.